Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. It's time for the High Altitude Mentorship Show with J.T. DeVolt. J.T. is an international success coach, inspirational speaker, and award-winning author of Flight Plan to Success. J.T. worked his way up through the ranks from enlisted aircraft mechanic to combat-decorated naval aviator. And he's here to give you the success strategies for better focus, clarity, and mental toughness to accomplish your missions in business and life. And now, here's your host, J.T. Hello, my friends. JT DeBolt with you today for the High Altitude Mentorship Show. Great to be with you on a Wednesday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. And you know what that means? It's time for us to come together and talk about leadership, entrepreneurship, and living the high-performance, high-altitude life. And as always, the High Altitude Mentorship Show is brought to you by flywithjt.com. That is flywithjt.com, where you can download a complimentary copy of my award-winning book, Flight Plan to Success. And, of course, stay connected to everything we're doing in the high-altitude community. Lots of cool stuff to tell you about, and you can find out everything you need to know. Keep up with us, and, of course, keep that edge sharp. Stay razor sharp by going to flywithjt.com. You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I was having a conversation with some folks this weekend. I had the privilege of emceeing an event uh, for some really amazing business owners and they were talking about mentorship and they were talking about, you know, the, the power of, you know, thinking clearly and thinking positively and taking affirmative action towards your dreams and goals. And I thought, yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot that can be said for having, you know, kind of what I like to think of as an optimistic attitude. Sometimes we talk about positive thinking and people think, well, you know, if you're not, if you're not a positive thinker, that's going to hold you back. And actually, there's a lot of research that shows that that there are some benefits to having a negative bias, particularly when you're in the planning phase of something big. And as leaders, we're always looking for that edge. We're always looking for that way to stay one step ahead, not just of the competition, but staying ahead of where we were yesterday, keeping our team sharp, keeping ourselves sharp, and giving our best effort in everything we do. And it's almost counterintuitive when you start thinking about, well, listen, if I'm not always positive, then am I somehow entering a negative bias into my life, and how does that impact me? Now, I understand in this day and age when there's all the hype and hula around you know, positive thinking, and if we don't think positive, somehow there's something wrong with us. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. I think you know the difference, the way I've described this in the past, if you follow the podcast long enough, you know that uh, my belief is this, that there is, there's really three kind of categories. There's extremely positive people, there's negative people, and then there's optimists. Positive people are, you know, if the three of them are in a, in a, in a house that's on fire, the positive person's going to look at all the flames that are encircling the room and climbing across the ceiling and say, oh, wow, look at those flames, it's beautiful. Well, at least we won't die cold, right? The negative person says, oh, there's no hope, let's just die. We're just, we, we can't get out of here. There's, there's nothing we can do about it. Whereas the optimist looks for the door and says, you, you, and you, come with me, we're out of here. They, they are grounded in reality, the optimist is. They realize that there are certain things they can't change, and maybe fighting the fire, putting the fire out isn't an option, but getting out is. That's the best option. And so I want to explore this with you today and really talk about the power of especially planning, negativity and planning. And remember this, it's not necessarily about having a glum attitude. What we're really talking about here is identifying blind spots. 
being able to cancel out some of that negative optimism that we were talking about. I originally, or I should say initially, came across this idea by following a guy by the name of Ryan Holiday. And uh, he's written several books, including Ego is the Enemy, which I'm currently reading right now. I think it's an amazing book. Every entrepreneur, every leader really should read Ego is the Enemy, especially this day and age when ego is (laughs) the little princess that seems to be pranced across the stage of life, especially social media. Ego is the Enemy, and of course, The Obstacle is the Way, another highly recommended reading for entrepreneurs and leaders. Anyway, Ryan Holiday was talking about this, and um, I, you know, the, the thing that I find very interesting, particularly about Ryan, but about this topic of sort of a negative mindset or entering you know, sort of a dash of negativity to what we do, he talks about negative visualization, and he refers to a quote by Seneca and says, nothing happens to the wise man against his expectation. Now, you could take that, and that's, by the way, only half the quote, but I I just kind of took that piece out of there because if you think about that and you think, okay, well, if I expect bad things to happen, does that mean bad things are going to come to me? Uh, Kind of. But if we expect that not everything is going to work out because we're rooted in reality, we're grounded in that reality, then we, we have no other choice. It's our responsibility to go back and apply a little bit of critical thinking. And again, this isn't about pessimism. It's about being as prepared and aware of all the possibilities as possible. Truly, at its core, it's about critical thinking. And while it may not be about being cynical, in fact, there's a difference between having a negative bias, right, and being cynical and all those things. There's a difference between constantly being negative and always thinking something's bad or always thinking something's going to fail. It's different than, you know, and, and we're not talking about being cynical, where you're pointing out all the flaws and things. What we're really talking about is where we step back and we ask ourselves, you know, forget the naysayers. Let's just ask some deeper questions so that we're seeing the entire picture. So to that end, it's really about being the enemy of bad ideas. It's about being your own devil's advocate. And it's so important to be rooted and grounded in that sense of reality. This happens a lot when entrepreneurs or small businesses and other kind of self-contained organizations that essentially operate in an echo chamber don't get that feedback from outside. Again, this is why I'm a huge proponent for mentorship, but it's not the mentors that are always going to rah-rah you up. Those aren't actually mentors. Those are more like cheerleaders. But, you know, a good mentor is always going to point out where the flaws could be. They're going to point out where the hidden tripwires are going to be, where you might stumble a little bit. And at the very least, you're going to have that objective third-party perspective, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. It really comes down to managing expectations. So let's explore a little bit how we can start doing this, how we can infuse a little bit of that negative visualization or that that negative preparation so that we can execute with our absolute best. The first part of it is we have to get very clear on what the project or the mission or the task actually is, whatever it is you're working on, to get very clear on it. It's one thing to take a look at it and say, man, this is going to be the year where I make a million bucks or I'm going to make an extra million bucks or whatever the thing is. And you say to yourself, that's, you know, that's what I want to do. But just starting with the end in mind is not enough. We have to be able to ask ourselves, what is not just the, the desired outcome, but how long is it going to take? What are the requirements? What are the possible downfalls to each one of those? Because if we look at the desired outcome and we say, man, that would be awesome, and we ask ourselves, is that true? You know, is that really what we're shooting for? And then start getting clear on why that is. 
You know, why is it that we're looking to launch the product? Why is it that we're looking to take another percentage point of, of the market share? What is it about that that's important to us as individuals and as leaders, but also to our team? We also have to say, you know, how long is it going to take and ask ourselves, are we being overly optimistic, naively optimistic? And if not, then we have to ask ourselves, can we make this happen on the timeline that we're promising, not just the world, but ourselves? And what's the requirement? What, you know, what are we required here? Time, money, assets, people, and are we seeing everything? Or are we being very sort of liberal with our beliefs and thinking, oh, we can do this with a little bit. We'll be fine. Maybe you need a little bit more in your budget. Maybe you need a little bit more time. Maybe you need better resources and better people. The next thing we have to ask ourselves is what could go wrong? What could go wrong? You know, because what could go wrong might go wrong. It doesn't mean that it will go wrong, but we have to think to ourselves, could this go wrong? Is it possible that this could not work? Because if the answer is yes, then we have to explore that. There's a guy by the name of Gary Klein. He's a researcher and an author, and he's got a term for this. It's called pre-mortem. You know, they always talk about post-mortem, where they do a, uh, you know, an investigation of a dead body and try to figure out why that person died so they can tell the authorities and tell the family, you know, this is what happened to your loved one when they passed on. The difference is, is that it's not about being, you know, sort of, <laughs> you're trying to find out the cause before it happens without necessarily thinking about it from a crystal ball standpoint. Because once the plan is briefed, if you sit down to yourself or your team or whoever is going to help you execute this and you brief it out, the next step you as the leader have to do is to say, what happens if it fails? Or let's assume it fails. So a great, a great scenario would be this. Let's say you've got a big product launch coming and you've got a few people with you and everybody briefs it and they're like, okay, here's how we're going to do. And just before you go execute, say, okay, here's the question. It fails and it fails miserably. Why did it fail? I can promise you this. If you ask that question of your team, they're probably going to look at you like you have two heads growing out of your neck. They're going to look at you like, what in the heck happened to you? What are you thinking about? And the reason for that is because most people do not want to see that. They built the plan, plan with the idea of success in mind, right? So they're not thinking to themselves about, okay, it's going to fail. But we have to ask that question as leaders. And again, this is not about being authoritative or tyrannical. You're not trying to tell people it'll never work or that's a terrible idea. It's about trying to find, almost through that devil's advocate lens, trying to find the weak points, the blind spots. When we brainstorm and come up with the reasons that it failed before it fails, then we give ourselves an opportunity to sidestep those little tripwires and those little, those little landmines. We have to put the disruption into the plan. So once you figure out what could be the disruption, then you plan for it. Now, as an aviator, we used to do this all the time. We used to ask ourselves, if the engine failed right now, where would I land this airplane? And, of course, when you're planning the flight out, you're looking at your charts, you're planning your fuel, you're looking at the, at the weather, and you're asking yourself, okay, if the engine fails here, this is our divert field. If the engine fails here, here's our divert field. If the engine fails here, then we think we could probably make it based on the fuel and the expected weather. But you're always asking yourself that question. You're looking at trends. You're saying, you know, if that weather uh, system tr changes direction and it ends up in our flight path, then what are we going to do? Do we have the fuel to go around it, or do we need to think that we need to stop somewhere else for fuel just in case and at least have that planned? And when you think that way, then you take a few extra minutes and you review 
the the airport information, the runway, is it long enough? Do they have supporting uh, resources and facilities there for us if we do land unexpectedly? And we start thinking about that, and we put that disruption into the plan. We say, okay, if the worst thing happens, this is where we're going to go. Now, here's the interesting part about this. This is true not just in aviation. This is especially true in business, and it could be true in just about a lot of different things, is now what you've done is you've cleared up that mental airspace. Now what you have the, the ability to do is to proceed with a lot of confidence, but not arrogance. Confidence says, I've got as much information as I know I, I can take. Arrogance says, doesn't matter. I'll figure it out. I'll land on my feet. It's better to be confident than arrogant, wouldn't you agree? And so if you've got that big project coming along or whatever the thing that's important to you and you start planning for it and you think about all the things that might go wrong, not that could go wrong or that will go wrong, but that might go wrong, and you say to yourself, okay, if this were to happen, how would I react to it? How would I respond? And more importantly, what do I need to put into place? How can I plan that? In that you know, how can I put that disruption into the plan? The next part to this is to get a sanity check. So once you've gone through the process of getting clear on what the mission or the project or the task is, and once you've figured out what possibly could go wrong, do that little pre-mortem as Gary Klein calls it, the next part is to get a sanity check. And that sanity check comes from advisors and mentors, somebody with experience particularly in the area that you're in. As I'd mentioned to you before, uh, I emceed this event this past weekend. And what was compelling to me were the two, was the two people who put the event on, they, saw, they had a, a team of advisors and mentors there that had already pointed out some of the areas, met probably many, that could go wrong with putting on a live event because there's a bazillion of them. Having put on live events myself, I can tell you it is, there's a lot of moving parts. And so if you've never done it before, you want to have a mentor, somebody who's been down that path and has the experience, has the wealth of knowledge that you can tap and kind of help you sidestep some of those potholes along the way. That sanity check's extremely important because once you've got the plan, you brief the plan, and then you come up with the, okay, now let's assume it fails. And you start going through all of that and planning those disruptions into the plan. Then you put that new plan in front of a mentor and say, what do you think? What have we missed? What am I pretending not to see? Those are very powerful questions to ask as a leader. Finally, you got to use it to your advantage. Now, here's the interesting thing. I think a lot of times when people think of negativity or they think of kind of a negative visualization, they go, okay, let's visualize this thing falling apart, <laughs> right? First and foremost, you're not putting any kind of, quote, energy out to the, quote, universe. You're not setting yourself up for failure. The whole concept that I was talking about with naive optimism a moment ago is to think nothing's going to go wrong because I visualized it to be perfect. It doesn't work that way in the real world. If you're doing something complex, if you're building a business, if you're leading a team, if you've got a huge task or a huge project that's coming up, you've got to be thinking optimistically. That means you believe it's going to work out, you believe in yourself, you believe in your team, and you know that you've got what it takes to make it happen. However, you're also grounded in reality and you're asking yourself, listen, if this doesn't work out, what might it look like and how will we adjust? Remember, most people think negative planning and visualization is a bad thing. So while they're out there getting their asses kicked, you can start working through and progressing on a plan that will work. So use it to your advantage. Now, I'm not saying this means that you have to compete with everybody, but imagine your competition in your field, whatever it is, thinking that everything's going to work out great, using their little visualization and happiness, joy, joy, but they're not thinking about the negativity that could happen. They're not using the negative visualization that says, this could fall apart and be miserable. 
they're not putting any kind of energy into it. And so therefore, when the two of you hit a roadblock, hit a speed bump, you can roll with it because you've at least planned for it and thought through it. They, on the other hand, are going to get stumped. And it might not even be that big of a deal. So it's extremely important to remember that you can use this to your advantage. When you think through what might go wrong, it gives you an opportunity to plan ahead of time and perhaps even build the skill set and the plan around it. Very powerful. Uh, you know, I almost think of it as a competitive advantage. The idea here, again, is not to be centered on doom and gloom. We're not talking about becoming a naysayer and telling people that it can't be done or this is a failure, there's no reason to go about it. That's not what we're talking about. What we're saying is the opposite of everything's going to work out 100%. Let's instill a little bit of reality to it. The negative visualization, as it's actually called, is designed to be a performance enhancer. One last thing that I will kind of submit that I believe is a true benefit to negative visualization is it gives you a little bit of an edge. And I'm talking about like a mental edge. You play a little bit with a chip on your shoulder, if you will, because now you're not dreaming that it's going to all work out. And so you kind of take your foot off the gas pedal just a little bit. Think about it. If you're thinking to yourself, something could go wrong, then you're much more alert. You're much more aware. You take fewer things for granted. And even when things are clicking along smoothly, you stay emotionally grounded, emotionally stable. You're not riding the high saying, woohoo, this is so great, because you know at any given time the wheels could fall off. As I've said before, and you've probably heard it said many times before, even me, everything comes to an end, and that includes the good stuff. And so we have to be remembering that it is possible for things to go haywire. And if they do, we have to be mentally prepared for that. And so we do that by getting clear on the project, the mission, or the task. We ask ourselves what could go wrong, do a little bit of a pre-mortem on it. We put that disruption into the, play, into the plan so that we know how to play it. We get that sanity check from somebody who's been down the path before, and we use that to our advantage. Instead of shirking it and saying, ah, this is negative thoughts and I don't want to be a negative person, we wrap our, our hands around it and say, hey, this could be an advantage to us. Let's do that mental prep right now. My friends, listen, as leaders, we have to be thinking in terms of what could possibly happen. We have to think of not just the great things that could happen. We have to also think about what could possibly strike as catastrophe. Our teams, our clients, our customers, and our families are counting on us to be our best. And that's what we have to do as leaders today and every single day. My friends, this show is a wrap. It's my privilege to come at you here each and every single Wednesday at 1030 a.m. Eastern. Looking forward to doing it again next week. Get yourself over to flywithjt.com, download a complimentary copy of Flight Plan to Success, and remember, no matter what course you fly in life, fly high, fly fast, and fly far. We'll talk to you soon.